Where Murder Meets Mystery contains graphic and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, ghoul friends. Let's take a walk down the street where murder meets mystery. A podcast exploring the murderous, the mysterious, <laughs> and everything that lies beyond the beyond. Uh, Damn right, girl. And I'm sorry for that pause. I'm Grace. <laughs> Marissa forgot where she was for a second. <laughs> I I am trying not to read off my notes. I didn't include it in my notes because I was so confident the past like four episodes saying it off the cusp. Um, but clearly I need to add it back in because I <laughs> forgot it. You nailed it. You nailed oh, it. Thank you. Oh, that's Good. so nice. There was, and you know what? We'll think of it as like a little dramatic pause. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Grace, how are you today? Um, I took a Xanax this morning. A Xanax, not a Xanax. Clonopin. Sorry. Same diff. I call it all right? Xanax. I told Marissa. Same <laughs> diff, right? I told Marissa this morning. I was like so anxious. I just, I and ghoul friends. I know there's one of you at least, at least one. That's at home knowing exactly what I mean, which is you wake up and your heart is just like, ugh, yeah. like you just like you the minute breathe. you wake up. I always wake up with I like felt. a heavy chest and I I, te- yeah. I keep a gratitude journal. I don't know if you do, Grace, but the, one of the prompts is I woke up feeling dot, dot, dot. And yeah. nine times out of 10, it's anxious. <laughs> Mine is nauseous. <laughs> I woke up feeling <laughs> nauseous. Oh, no. I woke up feeling like I needed to have diarrhea. That's how I feel this morning. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, my a God, nice my cleanse. stomach bubbles. Nice cleanse. <laughs> I'm on a cleanse. I'm yeah. on a 30-day cleanse where I called vomit every morning because I'm Anxiety so shits. Yeah. <laughs> stress boobs. New trend alert. Oh my god. No, yeah. So I'm if I seem like a little muted or like, you know, subdued, that's what's going on. Which is totally fine because I am like wired. Yes, <laughs> I have like so, we're... so much caffeine in me right now. I'm also sipping on a Diet Coke. So it's just like I'm ready to go. I you know, like you know I how much coffee I drink and I had mm-hmm. I had three sips of my coffee this morning. Oh, and I was like, it's too much. Yeah, I was, was going to say that probably it. adds to the anxiety a little bit. Oh my God, it made it so much worse. So yeah. I'm sure I'm going to have like a raging headache by three o'clock. It's good. Oof. It's all right. No, it's totally fine. fine. We're fine. <laughs> so like, let's get started because- Yeah, get into your case, sister. <laughs> let's not do the six minute intro <laughs> in every episode. Right. Two minutes we've and already, 45 seconds. We got listen, it. Listen, we've already covered everything we need to cover. We've talked about diarrhea. We've talked Xanax. about Clonopin and we're ready to go. And oh, Clonopin by the way, this Xanax. is episode 23, but I'm sure you oh, can yeah. read that. So. Oh, yeah. Epi 23. Epi 23. Yeah. 23. Yeah. That's, I, that's all we banter about with the numbers. We just mm-hmm. say it in that voice. And like as if they're not already clicking on it, knowing <laughs> what episode it is. 23. <laughs> Girlfriends, get into Welcome it, Grace. Back. Grace's case. Okay. Grace's right. case. Okay. <laughs> if I like wander, just tell me out, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So, July 11th, 2011. We're in Coronado, oh. California, which this is our, I think, second case in California. Okay. We need a scratch Third map. case. Third case. We had Elisa Lamb and we had Rebecca Schaefer was in California. Wow. You have a good memory. Yeah, I do. It's, it's fine. Um, so, (laughs) 
A woman named Dina Shacknai gets a text from her ex-husband, Jonah Shacknai, telling her that their six-year-old son, Max Shacknai, had a terrible accident. Oh, boy. Max is in the hospital. He's intubated. He's on a ventilator, and he's in a medically induced coma. Oh, no. Dina and Jonah share custody of Max, but Max had been staying for the summer with Jonah in Coronado, which is a fancy pants island just off the coast of San Diego. Jonah is a self-made millionaire of a co- and a CEO of a cosmetic pharmaceutical company called Medicis. They make um oh, I wrote the I wrote the medication what? down and I deleted it for some reason, but it's an Clonopin. alternative to Botox. No. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's an alternative to Botox and like I don't know. You you might do a little side goog on Jonah Shaknai because like clearly all of their inventory goes into his forehead because my Ooh. god. Oh, she said what she said. So, self-made millionaire, the company Medicis is based in Phoenix, which, what the fuck is up, Kyle? Another Arizona? Are you oh kidding? Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, he also definitely, yeah, his forehead is shiny and tight. Smooth. Holy shit. That is his, a baby's bottom. smile looks a lot like the Joker's smile, too. Yeah, I think he has veneers. Oh. But, I mean, he's, he's real rich. So, Jonah Oof. lives in Phoenix full-time, but has a summer home in Coronado. The Spreckles Mansion is what it's called. I thought they said Sprinkles at first, which I just kept laughing. They're like, the Sprinkles Mansion. I'm like, what? (laughs) It's a fucking Candyland. What is this? Oh, no. The The Spreckles Mansion containing 27 rooms right on the beach. There's a photo on the drive. The one that looks like a a fucking villa. That's a house. The whole thing is his mansion. Do you see it? Oh my gosh! Yeah, it looks Ow. like a compound. All the red roofs. <laughs> yeah, it are really his? does. Mm-hmm. Wow! Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah. So there's a there's the main house and the guest house, and in total, the house contains 27 rooms. That's beautiful. It really is. So that's I mean, sprinkles. Spre- that's sprinkles. Sprinkles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Jonah says he was not home at the time of the accident, and Max had been at home with Jonah's 32-year-old live-in girlfriend, a woman named Rebecca Zahau, and Rebecca's younger sister, Zena. Rebecca was in one of the half-bathrooms at the time, and Zena was in the shower. Max is playing on the second-floor landing. She hears a loud noise, comes running, and sees Max on the floor of the foyer. Now, there's a photo of the scene oh. on the drive. Okay. In the photo, you can see a razor scooter. It's the picture of the carpet that has like a bunch of shit on it. That sounded gross. A bunch of items. <laughs> oh yeah! Holy shit! Okay. Okay. So you can see the a razor scooter. Oh yeah. Lying on its side. My ankle is throbbing well. looking at that. Oh my god! I literally just said you ever taken one of these bad boys to your ankle? That's oh yeah. Wrote. I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> it hurts. Okay, so it's the throbbing. Razor, okay. Sorry. The razor scooter lying on its side. As well as you can see a broken chandelier. That's what that is on the left. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh no. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what yeah, do you a, think happened based on the scene? Like she rode her scooter off the stairs and like grabbed on there with the chandelier. Yeah. No, this was Max, the six-year-old. Oh, he rode his scooter off the <laughs> yeah. um, stairs, grabbed the chandelier and came down. But yeah. I don't know about the other stuff. Maybe that was all in his hands. Like, I I don't know. There's a chip bag so, down there, it looks like. Pill bottles. I don't know. I think. Blood. I think. I know the blood is his, but I think that the items throughout the scene, this scene was obviously taken after Max had been removed from the scene. 
And when paramedics come, they use a bunch of equipment that's already like wrapped in packaging and stuff like that. So I think that's what that is, is the remnants of what the paramedics brought with like the life-saving stuff. I think that's what is all over the carpet, but you, the main thing is the scooter and the chandelier. So she comes in, sees Max in the foyer and knows right away. This is like very, very severe accident. Max isn't breathing. Rebecca immediately starts CPR, starts screaming for Zena to call 911, and she does. Because of the severity of Max's injuries, the Coronado Police Department launches an investigation. Good. Rebecca tells police that Max said one word that she could understand. Ocean. Which, this is giving Jessica Chambers. Is that her name? Yeah. Last week? Yep. With the one word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So he says one word, which is the name of their dog. It's Ocean. That's what she, that's what Rebecca says she thinks she oh, heard. Oh, my gosh. We're not really sure because the dog does not come into play. Speaking of which, oh, and there's a little dog outside my window. Oh. Um, can I just know right here, right now, is Ocean safe? Is Ocean in the house? Is he out of the house? Like, what? Yeah, Ocean? so Ocean is not mentioned at all ever okay. again in the case. So that, they, but I will talk about the last word because that okay. is important. It's all important, you know. Yeah. Based on the scene, it appears that Max was riding his Razor scooter on the top of the balcony, the second floor balcony, then flipped over the balcony with the scooter and pulled the chandelier down with him. I included a view of the foyer and the second floor landing on the drive so you can kind of see where he was playing with the scooter, allegedly. That's obviously So it's just like a freak accident, right? Yeah. So obviously there's an immediate disagreement between Dina... Max's mom, who blames Rebecca, and Jonah, who defends her. Rebecca calls her sister Mary in distress and says over and over, Dina is going to kill me. Talking like she's – because there's that existing disagreement between Dina and Rebecca, and I'll talk about that in a second with the background. But there – you know, she automatically is like, fuck, right? It's like when you're – when a kid gets hurt when you're babysitting them, you're just like, Yeah. I listened to – the mile higher episode about this case and Kendall Kendall Ray was talking about how she was babysitting a family friend when she was younger and the kid fell down the stairs while she was there because he like climbed out of his crib she sees it on the monitor she's like walking up to get him and he falls down the stairs and he was okay but she was like I just like you know you cannot describe that feeling right where it's not your child but it's like ugh. anyway so Rebecca is at the hospital with everyone else and is unable to explain what happened because she's so distressed, which just makes mm-hmm. her more suspicious to the family. Right. So a little background now on Jonah and Rebecca. They met in 2009 at an eye clinic in Phoenix where Rebecca was working as a licensed eye tech. Okay. Despite their 20-year age gap, Rebecca and Jonah connect immediately. Oh. Now, Rebecca is originally from Burma, now known as Myanmar, which is a country in Southeast Asia, northwest of Thailand. Her dad was active in politics. So at the time when it was still known as Burma, they had to flee the dictatorship and leave the country uh, because of his political beliefs. Oh, shit. They eventually settled in the U.S. Rebecca was then 28 and she moved to Phoenix while the rest of the family settled in Missouri. Rebecca becomes certified as an eye technician and regularly sends money to her parents in Missouri. Jonah has three children, two from another relationship, and then Max is his youngest, is his child with Dina. Max and Rebecca are close, which Dina did not like, and this caused a lot of drama. There were a few times when Max, like, wanted to hang out with Rebecca instead. (laughs) Dina was, like, not. (laughs) 
Shit. Not okay with that. Devastating. Yeah. In 2011, Max asked Rebecca to quit her job and come summer with him in Coronado and even offers to send money to her parents. And she agrees. So she's getting closer with the family. She moves in with Jonah. Jonah's brother, Adam, who is a tugboat captain from Tennessee, flies in the day of Max's accident to visit him in the hospital. Rebecca picks Adam up from the airport and then go back to the mansion, leaving Jonah behind. So Jonah and Dean are at the hospital. Adam and Rebecca go back to the mansion. Mm -hmm. Adam is staying in the guest house of the Spreckles mansion while Rebecca is staying in the main house. She calls her sister Mary around 8 p.m. and tells Mary she's getting ready for bed and is about to take a shower. She knows the family suspects her and worries she may need to come home to Missouri depending on how things pan out. Around 12.30 a.m., Jonah calls and leaves Rebecca a message telling her that Max's condition is rapidly deteriorating. At 6.30 a.m. on July 13th, Adam Shackney calls 911, and I have the 911 call I'm going oh to play gosh. for you. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. Oh no. <laughs> okay. Did he say, did he ask her, are you alive? Yep. He goes, are you alive? That's oh my God. And he knows it's her. Oh no. Super weird. Lots to unpack So there, weird. But a girl hung herself. Yeah. He says a girl. A girl. It's the distancing language. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then this particular clip is from an episode of Dr. Phil. I linked okay. the video on the sources, but oh, good. they cut out this one portion where he says, I have a girl who hung herself at the same place where you picked up the kid the other day. Uh, <laughs> so like, doesn't, he doesn't specify um, Max or Rebecca, not even my brother's girlfriend or my brother's kid or my nephew, like also, none like, of that. I imagine a lot of kids are getting hurt that get, I don't know. I just can't imagine they, uh, oh, the other day you picked up this kid from this mansion, come here. No, just give them the address. It's quick. It's to the point. There's a lot of other right. things that happened during that time. Maybe a different um, caller person, different police. Like, you know, what the fuck? And That's I just weird. That, like, he, he doesn't live there. Adam doesn't live there. But mm -hmm. I know that he's familiar. It's his brother's house. So I know he's familiar with the fact that okay, this has, the mansion is so big that it has its own name. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, it's giving Downton Abbey. So like, you know, where was the crime? Downton Abbey. It's very, like everyone in town's right. got to know that mansion and know what he's talking about. I'm assuming, but I don't Damn. know. You know what happens when you assume. Mm -hmm. You're right. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> in okay. true crime, we're right. Yeah. We're always right. Mm -hmm. The ghoul friend's always mm -hmm. right. Police arrive and know immediately that Rebecca is deceased. So I'm going to describe the scene to you. It's very graphic and eerie. So I'm just giving you a fair warning. I'm also going to uh, – I'll give you another trigger warning later. But this is this is the, the blanket warning. Just be prepared. Yeah. So Rebecca is naked. Her hands Oof. are bound with red rope behind her back. <sighs> behind her back. Her feet are bound with red rope. There is the same red rope in a noose around her neck. A oh, blue no. t-shirt is around her neck that we believe had been used as a gag. 
Um, oh, no. So Adam, yeah. Adam in his story claims that he pulled the T-shirt from her mouth to start giving her CPR. And so that's why we think the T-shirt. So did he take her down from wherever she was hanging? Yes. And I'll get to that in a second. Okay. And interesting. Um, He said a girl hung herself when her hands and feet were bound. Yes. Okay. God, I knew I picked you as my best friend for a reason. Mm -hmm. God, you're a genius. It's called contact. It's It's called called reading in between the lines. (laughs) Sure. That too. (laughs) No, but no, I, you're always right. Suspicious. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, <laughs> paranoia. Oh, man. It's called question everyone. <laughs> and everything. Okay. okay. So there's dirt on her feet, which is weird. Mm-hmm. And there's also some black paint on her breasts, on huh. her inner thigh, and as well as a small amount of blood on the inside of her other thigh. Huh. Okay. There's no other blood on her, by the way, just on her inner thigh. And it's like yeah. a, I would describe it as like a smear. Yeah. I, I would not describe it as like she's not bleeding actively. Right. They determine her time of death to be around 3 a.m. and there are no signs of forced entry. Adam says he went from the guest house to the main house for breakfast and saw Rebecca hanging from the second floor balcony outside. Oh, God. He immediately, like, just imagine that scene. Oh, mm-hmm. God. He immediately got down on his knees and prayed. No, I'm just kidding. That was. Oh, no. That was that, that other Stan story. <laughs> yeah, there cannot be another good. one. Oh my God, that woman was so sketchy. Okay, so no. So he immediately grabs a kitchen knife, runs outside, grabs a table to stand on. I'm not sure what that means, like a side table, but he has something to stand on and cuts her down. He pulls the t-shirt from her mouth and then starts CPR. Okay. Adam calls Jonah to tell him the news. Jonah hangs up the phone at the hospital after talking to Adam tells dina what happened dina asks why rebecca died and jonah this is so weird and i'm gonna explain Ew, it. So asking why she died is weird sorry why did they yeah. die oh rebecca's dead why yeah that's <laughs> how they what? worded it on the on the id special that i watched yeah. but i i maybe she meant how i don't it was just a weird way to word it but yeah says why like how what happened and jonah makes a gesture as if he's stabbing himself in the stomach so do you sorry, know what i mean what? No. So like he made he made two fists and like plunged them into his own stomach, like stabbing yourself in the stomach. That's the gesture that he made. Okay. And he says, quote, Asian honor, Asian honor. Bitch, what? Now, I didn't know what the fuck this meant either. <laughs> so I looked it up. This is from Psychology Today. Quote, suicide has for a long time been a way to preserve one's family honor in Asia. Unlike the West, where religions like Christianity view suicide as a sin carrying a negative connotation, suicide among many Asian countries is seen as a means of atoning for disgrace, defeat, or any other dishonorable action or event, end quote. So I take this to mean that Jonah believed Rebecca killed herself to atone for her whatever role she played in Max's death. Oh, no. And to protect the honor of her family. Little does he know what actually happened or how she was found, right. right? So, like, all he knows is that Rebecca killed herself. That's what Adam told him. So he's not aware of, like, the, you know, right. bucket. What is it? Bucket of worms? Can of worms. Sure. Yeah. Buc- bucket of worms sounds same death. like a lot more. Like Xanax, okay. Conopin, whatever. Oh, my God. Oh, I need both. Okay, so a can of worms. He doesn't know what can of worms this is going to open. Like, I don't think he realizes how big this is. 
And anytime you have someone of that status involved in a death, let alone two in the same house in the same three days, it's going to be a national news story, right? Yeah. So three hours after the police clear the scene, they lock it down. They contact a homicide investigation team from San Diego because they realize right away this is a big deal. In the garage, they find a spool of red nautical rope, which is the same rope that was on Rebecca. Oh, fuck. They survey the house, and in a guest room, they find some crazy shit. You're going to love this, Marissa, because there's some spooky shit going on here. Okay. Okay. They get to the guest room. The red rope is tied to the foot of the bed frame, and it stretches all the way across the room and over the balcony. Okay. Oh, So assuming she tied it to the bed frame and then jumped off the balcony. But again, her hands and feet were bound, so Right. They find... Two knives, a steak knife, a chef knife. (gasps) They find a paintbrush with black paint near the bed, as well as a tube of black acrylic paint. They find Rebecca's cell phone, a towel, and some a few drops of blood on the carpet. They find a note on the back of the guest room door written in black paint. (gasps) I want you to open the picture. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. And I want you to tell the ghoul friends what this says. Marissa, when you it get it, it says, open. she saved him. Can you save her? Like, what? What? <laughs> Isn't that terrifying? <laughs> Wait, that's so weird. They also find a book about witchcraft. Whoa. Okay. okay. Inside the book, they find a page with instructions for a pro- a procedure of some kind a a a ceremony called binding for initiation whoa and it instructs the doer of the ritual to bi- bind themselves with red rope and they it, the book includes pictures of a nude woman bound in the exact same manner as Rebecca oh, but fuck. the only fingerprints on the book are Rebecca's oh shit but there's no connection to witchcraft anywhere else in her life. So I don't know mm-hmm. what the fuck this is coming from. It just seems so weird. Is it ceremonial like that guy said? Like was he, like she trying to, I don't know. Like was it a, the Asian honor thing? Yeah. I don't know. I and don't Induction know. into what? Because the witchcraft to, book said induction right. into. And to be honest, I don't, I personally, I want to present all the evidence but I do want to say that I personally do not think it was a suicide. I don't. Just yeah. because of the mechanics of it. Yeah. I can't imagine like, yeah, how does it you work know? logistically? How do you get from one side how? to the other wall bound? And I, I encourage school friends to just like think about this for a second. If you're walking, first of all, she bound her feet, even if she bound her feet on the balcony, right? Yeah. You're going to... She had to bind her hands. So does she bind her hands first or her feet first? And then if she binds her hands first and then shuffle and her feet and then shuffles to the balcony and then how does she throw herself over the edge Mm-mm. without dislocating Mm-mm. her shoulder or something? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. And even – and so one of the – Or even like over to the bed. Like I – did the bed not move? Right. That's kind of surprising that it wasn't like jolted over there. I don't know. It's interesting. And one of the theories is like – she hurled herself over the balcony, but wouldn't you need a running start to do that? Right. 100%. And how do you run with your feet fucking bound? It's so right. strange. I just can't. I don't I don't believe it. I Mm-mm. don't believe it. 
Okay. So the witchcraft thing is weird, but the only fingerprints they find on the book are Rebecca's. And it's not like the page was like marked, but I definitely think it was eerie, the, the similarities. Yeah. yeah. When Adam is questioned, he agrees to take a polygraph. And then completely unprompted in the middle of the test, he admits that just before he discovered Rebecca's body, he had been jacking off to porn in his room. Mm, okay. Was this that necessary? Has, was that useful it was information? unnecessary and i don't i mean not here to yuck your yum right, right exactly exactly not here to yuck your yum um, but it's awfully strange yeah he wasn't asked a question about it or anything no, he just like <laughs> offered he just like He's offered like, the information uh, okay yeah and it was in the middle of the polygraph test and sure it's just and his behavior in the interview was just like very casual and nonchalant and at one point he was they asked if he knew she was dead when he saw her and he was he said something along the lines of like listen i'm like a can-do guy like i see her and i think well maybe there's something i can do you know like i'm just yeah. like what so she's not weird like, was she breathing at all what? i mean she okay so there i can i discourage you from looking up the crime scene photos if it's gonna yeah, totally no. freak you no. out yeah but you can see these pictures of like her feet and her hands and they were completely Ugh. blue Ugh, like no. no oxygen and then she's it rigor mortis had set in so she had yeah, been dead yeah, for yeah. Okay. Um, at least four hours right at that point or three i think it's three hours but either way so she i i would not have personally believed her to be alive but okay i don't know there are people who try to save people who are way too far gone like max i mean i'll talk about his injuries in a second but like she attempted to save his life. So yeah, oh, it's yeah. different when you know the person. Right. So da, 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 da. in my mind, Adam wasn't really suspicious to me until he said that. Cause I'm like, why right. other, what other reason do you have to, you know, regardless, the polygraph test comes back inconclusive. So the police have to release him. Meanwhile, Rebecca's family is watching the story unfold on national news and they all they know is that she hung herself. That's so sad. And the most heartbreaking part of this case is that the news announces she, they have to hear it on the news that, that is she so was sad. naked and bound. And get this, you know, there's helicopters going all over the house, right? Yeah. The authorities left Rebecca's body in the yard uncovered oh, all fucking day. That is so fucked. So her parents had to watch that and see their daughter in the backyard of this nope. house naked and bound. Also, I feel like that's definitely not uh, like why, how, who, what, when, it's why. It's never, are... never okay. Right. Like how are new stations getting away with that, you know? Right. And God, it's just like Rebecca's sister, Mary, says said something that kind of stuck with me. She was just basically like, I think that the investigators had blinders on from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Now she mm -hmm. thinks it was because Jonah's a very powerful man. This house has a very powerful reputation. They have to close this investigation swiftly, right? They don't want people thinking that a sheriff is an elected official at the end of the day. Yeah. They don't want people thinking that this town is unsafe, right? It brings right. in a lot of money and revenue and whatever. So 
there are a lot more reasons for them to close this quietly than there are for them to, I don't know. I'm just saying like, I, th- I there is a possibility that there's a bigger conspiracy right. going on here. Right, yeah. right, Makes sense. Yeah. Money. this is how family definitely yep. thinks that's the case. On July 16th, the doctors confirmed that Max is brain dead. And Jonah and Dina have to take him off life support. That's so sad. The San Diego County Sheriff's Office announces that they are investigating both deaths of Rebecca Zahau and Max Shackknight. Uh, <coughs> Excuse me. Seven weeks later, they announced that Max's death is ruled an accident and Rebecca's death is ruled a suicide by hanging. Oh, So the sheriff's office releases two pieces of evidence that were created by their department to support these rulings. The first is a graphic that they created uh, showing what they believe happened to Max. That's on the drive. If you see the little like mannequin picture. Oh, yeah. Yep. Wow. So they think that he was on the second floor landing, his riding his razor scooter, and that it hit the edge of the landing and he he flipped over, bringing the chandelier down with him. Oh, no. Okay. The sheriff's department also made a video. I could not find this video, but I really wanted to include it. Made a video of one of their employees demonstrating how Rebecca may have bound her own hands to support the suicide angle. Oh, interesting. They want Mythbusters on it. And all you need to know really about this video is that it was like three minutes long. Like this was like painstaking for this person to have to like. So she like builds the knot in front of her. Mm-hmm. Takes her one hand out, puts her hands behind her back, puts her hand through the loop, and then tightens it with her hands. It's just like it's too much. Yeah, it's and it's a very complex like nautical. A, knot. I was gonna say a Boy Scout knot. It sounds like. Yeah, they it's they determine it's a boating knot. Oh um, yeah, no. I don't know if you remember what Adam Shacknai did for a living. Did I remember? Mm-mm, no, he's a tugboat captain. Oh, oh fuck! <laughs> and like, why would Rebecca know that knot? You know, right? Hmm. And it's confirmed that Jonah owned several boats and they would go boating occasionally. Oh, shit. But I don't think that she knew. She wasn't like an expert and I don't think she knew a lot of complex knots. And that's, that's Right, but there is someone there who would. By, yeah. So the sheriff's department thinks that she gagged herself so that she wouldn't scream for help in the event that the hanging was unsuccessful. They find prints and DNA from only Rebecca Zahau at the scene. So in the guest wow. room. Wow. Prince DNA, all Rebecca's. Okay. okay. They believe that Rebecca heard the vo- voicemail from Jonah, got the rope, wrote the message, bound and gagged herself, then flipped herself over the balcony. How? Just yeah. how? It makes me so angry. Mary, Rebecca's sister, is adamant that Rebecca would have left if she were ever in a bad situation and that she would never have forced her parents to see her like that in that state. Right. Nina doesn't accept the findings and hires an investigator to look into Max's death. She still thinks that Rebecca had something to do with it. Okay. The investigator, (laughs) it's, yeah. The investigator questions how Max was riding the scooter on the thick carpet. When you look at that picture of the foyer, you can see the carpet. Yeah, that's, that's a good floor. point. It, I I think I've tried that before, like riding it on carpet. Yeah, like, that's not easy to put the wheels razor. on it. No. Like if you've ever ridden a Razor scooter, like in your garage, it's like butter. Right, like right. It just oh yeah, that's smooth. a good feeling. That's a good feeling. God, one girl, the open road, man, oh, nothing like it. <laughs> nothing like no, it. No, but like 
you can't ride a scooter on carpet. It just doesn't work, especially when it's right. like like thick carpet. And you know they had like plush carpets. Like you know. Right. Okay. So they think that he was riding the scooter on the carpet, that he but the investigator says there's no way he would have been able to pick up enough speed to pro- like propel himself over the balcony. And okay. all that aside, she asserts that he was too short to fall over the balcony in that manner. Sure. Because the balcony was tall enough where, like, unless he was launched, he would not have fallen over. Sure. Okay. Rebecca said Max said the word ocean, right? But the investigator believes Rebecca lied because Max had injuries to his cervical spine, the neck, your neck bones, that he would not have been able to speak at all. She says Max was murdered. Okay. She believes that Max was on the scooter and Rebecca struggled with him, maybe in an effort to discipline him. And then he fell over the balcony, whether she threw him or pushed him or it was an accident. We're not really sure. Oh, fuck. But she believes that he died as a result of something Rebecca had done. The Zahau family wanted the sheriff's department to reopen the case. They hire Cyril Wecht, who is Uh, a forensic specialist. That's his name. I think he's German or something. But... He is in every fucking episode of Forensic Files, Investigation Discovery, Dateline. He is everywhere. Hop off. And he also, it's because he's also uh, works for, um, he's a medical consultant in legal trials. So that's why he's on everything. Mm, Like if you see the staircase, he's on the staircase. It's like, he's like the favorite forensic guy to, you know. Love. Now it makes sense because he's been a forensic specialist for 56 years and he has conducted over 20,000 autopsies. Shut and he up. says he has never, not once, seen a case where a woman committed committed suicide naked. Never yeah, once. Yeah, okay. Because why, right? Yeah, that seems a little like... Yeah, so know. he said that, that was the first thing that struck him as odd. The second thing is when he performs a second autopsy, he notices bruising on her scalp, and he says there was no structure on the side of the house where she would have hit her head. And also there is no damage to the exterior of her scalp, meaning that she was hit with a blunt object, not enough to cut the skin on her head, but enough to leave bruising. But if she was flying off the balcony and hit something, that would definitely cut her head, don't you think? Right, right. So also the, the pattern just implies repetitive blows from a blunt object. The thyroid and cricoid cartilage cartilages which are in your throat were both intact but those are usually broken in a hanging the hyoid bone which is the bone that separates it's it's like right at the base of your neck like where your um around your adam's apple yep that bone was damaged which points to strangulation because a hyoid bone is not broken in a hanging unless the victim is very young i believe okay um but Despite this, the Zahau's request for the case to be reopened is still denied. Mary believes that the sheriff's department was influenced by Jonah's money and power. Sad. In 2013, Rebecca's family files a civil action suit against the Shacknai family. This isn't a criminal trial, but it can result in money for the Zahau family and may encourage the sheriff's department to take the family seriously. Initially, the Zahau's lawyer suspects Adam, Dina, and her sister Nina conspired to kill Rebecca and later publicly apologizes to Nina and Dina recanting his accusation because there's some evidence that surfaces that corroborates their alibi. Okay. 
The trial against Adam Shachnai, however, proceeds in 2018. The Zahau family introduces some new evidence. They call a handwriting expert to testify, which big love. <laughs> big disclaimer here, handwriting analysis is not scientific, but I do right. personally believe that it is so cool. It's so cool, <laughs> but it can definitely be subjective. Right. <laughs> but I do think I do think it's super cool and it in this particular case, I think it it's kind of damning, but he says, the analyst says that when someone writes on a surface, like a wall or a whiteboard or whatever, mm-hmm. they write, they tend to write at shoulder level, meaning the the height at which the note was written on the door means that the person who wrote it was around five foot 11. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Rebecca is five two. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. She'd be reaching eight inches. And Adam is five ten. Interesting. All the writing on the door leans to the left. I have some pictures on the drive, by the way, if you want to look at it. But yeah, all no, the I'm writing, looking at them right now. Okay. All the writing on the door leans to the left, and so does Adam's. But Rebecca's handwriting leans to the right. <gasps> the letter M, which is the thing that really like solidified it for me, the letter M in Adam's signature and in his handwriting in general is longer on the right. Like the second yep. tail of the M is longer. Yep. And you can definitely see that in the note. Yeah. Right. They also introduce a new piece of evidence that an elderly woman who was a neighbor of the Shacknais claims she heard a woman screaming that night. Okay. They don't really have a way to confirm this, but they can confirm that the police dismissed this initially because the woman was like, they weren't listening to me. Like I told them and they kind of like brushed her off. They say Rebecca's DNA and fingerprints were found in the guest room. The police were right about that. Right. But it's not on any of the items police say she handled. The <gasps> knife. Up. The book? It's not on the knife. It's not on the paintbrush. It's not on the oh book. It's not on the um, – the, and it's not on commonly handled objects like the doorknob or the drawers or the sheets. Nothing. Oh, shit. Conclusion, the room was wiped clean. Oh, fuck. Furthermore, Rebecca's fingerprints were found on – the blade of the knife, but not the handle. And what they conclude that to mean is that Rebecca may have held the knife behind her back in an attempt to cut the rope from her hands. The smaller steak knife had blood on the bottom of the handle, but there was no blood on Rebecca's hands. Oh, fuck. Okay. Okay. There was no blood on any place of Re- on Rebecca except for her inner thigh. Okay. We do know that Rebecca was on her period at the time, and all the blood at the scene is believed to be menstrual blood. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, here's your other trigger warning. I did tell you it was coming. This is a trigger warning. Okay. The forensic specialist believes that they found blood on the handle of the steak knife at the bottom of the handle. Okay. They believe that Rebecca was sexually assaulted with the knife handle, and oh, that's where the blood came fuck. from. That's why oh, it wasn't no. on the blade. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. So Adam's defense calls Jonah to the stand, and he defends his brother, which kind of shocks everybody. He says that Rebecca knew how to tie the nautical knots because she was on the boat all the time, while Mary says Rebecca used to complain about the boat and that she only went out twice every few years. Well, there you the go. Zahau's plaintiff team, This remember this is a civil case, so I'm going to say plaintiff, which means the Zahau family, and defense, which means Adam's yeah. team. 
The plaintiff team says the knots were complex and something only a nautical enthusiast could do. They also recall the suspicious 911 call, right? Both of those pieces of evidence pointing to Adam. Right. They believe what happened was Adam came in after Rebecca had gotten out of the shower. That explains the towel is there was some sort of struggle. She lost the towel. And that also explains why she was naked. I we don't they don't right. believe she was she was clothed at any time during the incident. They think okay. that she was wearing a towel. It and lines up with the, the t- yeah the shower yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. There was some sort of struggle, and Rebecca ended up on the other side of the house in the guest room, where we find the towel and more blood, which remember they believe is from her period. Yeah, they contend that Adam hit her on the head four times, bound her, gagged her, and then manually strangled her, ending her life. And then staged the whole thing to look like a suicide by throwing her off the balcony. Oh, shit. At the end of the day, Adam is suspicious, but there is still no physical proof that Adam did it. Oh, no. I hate that. So, like, this is all circumstantial. I don't know what to call. I was trying to think of, like, a catchy name for these types of crimes. Uh, If the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. There's no proof. I don't know. Right. Are these, like, are these crimes just, like... No proof, yeah, but high assumption. Like they're like, yeah, but he fucking did it. How about that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he fucking did like, it. Yeah, all that's... signs point to yes. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Anyway, makes me sad. Um, yeah. So, however, the jury announces that they find Adam responsible for Rebecca's death in the civil suit. This does not mean that Adam is guilty. It also does not mean that Adam faces any criminal like punishment Why? of any kind because of this is civil court not criminal court there's different oh, there's a difference shit. so they award the zahau family five million dollars in damages the zahau family cannot press charges until the investigation is reopened and re-examined by the sheriff's department so they send a request for that with the new finding that adam is responsible based in the civil okay. court okay The department reviews their investigation. However, in 2018, they uphold their original finding and rule Rebecca's death as a suicide. Again. Fuck. To this day, the official manner of Max Shackney's death remains an accident and Rebecca's remains a suicide. Wow. In 2019, Adam appealed the original civil judgment. And before they went to court, he settled with the Zahau family for $600,000 in restitution resulting in the case being dismissed and undoing the initial $5 million judgment, meaning that the $600,000 was paid to the Zahau family, but essentially mm-hmm. that was to shut the whole proceedings down. Like they didn't want to damn continue. Rebecca's sister Mary wants people to remember Rebecca not as she was in her death, but in her life. She was beautiful, Aww. happy, kind, and fun. They all are. Yeah. That's true. That's true. They're all described like that. that. Yeah. Anyway, that's so it's like a sad one, but so interesting. And I want so, I have so interesting. Many I want it. I want it to be investigated more. Like I feel like there's more to it. You know, what the fuck is the witchcraft thing? I want to talk about that. Yeah. Why was what that a book in the house? They and didn't seem like that kind of family. Note, why was the note? If she was going to kill herself, why would she do it from the guest room and not the master bedroom where mm-hmm. she was staying? And why would she write the note? She had a paintbrush, but the note looks like it was written with a finger, in my opinion. Yeah, that's like a it good was like point. It really did. And why not Sharpie or something? Why paint? Right. 
And then if she was gonna, again, if she was, and then the feet binding thing, if her foot was bound, if her feet were bound, how the fuck did she climb up on the railing and hurl herself off? Yeah, I don't know. It all sounds suspicious. If you were to climb onto a railing, like hypothetically, you would lift one leg up, right? Yeah. Like who goes both feet at the same time? No one. Oh, when you're getting out of a pool, maybe, but then you still lift one foot up, right? Yeah, and also when you're in a pool, one side is water and one side is concrete. It's like solid. That's yeah, easier. So like to get if up. you put both feet into the pool at once, that's different because you know where you're going. You're not going to fall mm-hmm. to your death. <laughs> so true. You know, I don't know. It's just God. It's so crazy weird to one. me. And Very recent. Weird. Recent. <laughs> totally recent. Uh, it's totally no, that's- recent. That is going to haunt me for sure. I'm going to want to like do extra research, which I mean, I don't even know what else there is to do other than like hope and pray that DNA one day gets found. Did he ever yeah. get rid of that house? Like that house seems cursed now. I feel like I would never want to. I mean, the house is for sure haunted. Yeah. I don't know. As to my knowledge, I don't think you in most cases, the family does not continue living there. Like you have to move. Right. Um, But I don't know. I don't know for sure. I'd have to. Yeah. I'd have to Google it. Yeah. But, Interesting, yeah. Grace. Crazy, right? Very. Ay, okay. Anyway, okay. that was long. Sorry. Let's get into yours. No, it was good, though. <laughs> it was real good. Okay. Uh, for this week's Marissa's Mystery, since none of you ghoul friends are making any suggestions, even though we ask every single week, Not I asked. Get it together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a direct call out to everyone listening right now. But anyways. Yeah, it is. I asked Eric what I should do, and he responded, King Tut's Curse, or Ooh, The Curse Eric. of the Pharaohs. Yeah. Good one. First thing to come to mind. So I was like, that sounds cool. I've never really heard of it personally myself, so this is really fun for me to learn about, and I'm excited to yeah. share it with you all. Ooh. Uh, if you have something in mind for a future Marissa's Mystery, don't forget to DM us or email us, and I'll take it into consideration for sure. As uh, where Murder Meets Mystery crazy. at gmail.com. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Let's take it back to the 1900s. Around the 1920s, there was a British archaeologist and Egyptologist named Howard Carter, and he was employed by Lord Carnarvon to excavate some tombs. And after being successful with that, Lord Carnarvon wanted Howard Carter to lead multiple digs across Egypt to discover even more significant finds, essentially. He's like, this guy's good at digging and finding. Let's keep doing it type of thing. Let's dig deeper. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, But unfortunately, (laughs) after a few failed seasons of digs, Lord Carnarvon was like, I can't fund this anymore. You're not finding anything for me. I'm wasting my money. But after a talk with Carter, he decided to give him one more chance and one more season to dig to find the Lord something of significance. Carter decided to dig in the Valley of Kings where a previous investigation took place, but nothing was found. On November 4th, 1922, the workers were out digging and a local Egyptian was hired to be their water boy, I guess. There was just like a Mm -hmm. local water boy essentially running the workers' water. And as he was fetching the workers' water, he actually tripped over a large rock that had somehow moved while he tripped. Like, I guess, you know, when you trip over something and it moves a little. Um, Mm -hmm. And he noticed there was something more under the rock. So he called over Howard Carter, and they noticed after moving it that it was actually a huge staircase leading under the sand. 
So fuck that. I would be like, what? Workers, you go down there. I said, fuck no, that. No, yeah. Like- that's exactly what he did. Well, he was like, there was only a few stairs showing. So he was like, workers, dig up these stairs. And sure enough, they dug it up. So Carter, despite ordering all the workers to do the work. He was the first one down the stairs and he took his torch and went downstairs and the stairs actually led to a mud plastered door. And the door had several royal cartouches on it, which I, in my mind, I think it's just like uh, specific hieroglyphics that mean there's royalty behind there. Like, you know, kind of like yeah. a last name, like some sort of uh, uh, yeah, yeah. symbol like a, for like that a specific royal almost. family. Yes. Oh my gosh, Queen. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. That's perfect. Yeah. Great, great metaphor. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hieroglyphics are like a cartouche is like I, I learned about this because one of my students oh, is in tell me, please. learning about ancient Egypt. It's basically a, a series of symbols that it's kind of like a family crest. Oh, That's yes. what a cartouche is. So like it. Rec- it it represents it's a scroll usually and it's ornamental to represent the family or so a, cool. A specific like member of royalty. Yeah. Yeah. So Carter saw that and he knew exactly that information because he's an Egyptologist and smarter than I am. And he knew there was something big <laughs> behind that door. So yeah. uh, after figuring that out, he was like, all right, workers, you need to refill this, the staircase, the tomb uh, to avoid any tomb robbers until Lord Carnarvon could get down there to see with his own eyes, the, the funder of the project, essentially. Right, right, right. So the Lord came down um, and funded him more money to excavate the tomb and hopefully find a tomb behind those doors. The Lord arrived and him and Carter went down to the staircase to try and get a peek at the door or see what's behind the door. And Carter actually took a chisel that his grandmother gave him for his 16th birthday to make a small <laughs> hole. Cute. That was a cute detail. Yeah, right? So Carter took out a chisel and made a small hole at the top left corner of the door. With his torch, he looked through the hole and saw golden surfaces in a large tomb, supposedly. And the Lord, I don't know how to say his last name, sorry, was impatient and said, can you see anything? What do you see? Can you see anything? To which Carter replied, quote, yes, wonderful things, end quote. And I had to include that because literally every article and video I watched on this said that that's a super famous quote from him. Yes, wonderful (laughs) things. But it seems kind of anticlimactic to me. You know what I mean? Like, if it was you and me, I'd be like, Man, I see some sketchy shit in there. <laughs> I'd be like, bitch, we're rich. So much gold. Bitch. And then so that's much the gold. fucking quote that is on every National Geographic right. special. And, and to our knowledge, you know, he said this, or they say he said this, but he could have said some crazier shit. So whatever, you know? Maybe yeah. that's why it's so boring because they were like, we need Maybe to he down says, what he Maybe he says, man, fuck this. <laughs> yeah. We're out. I'm out. Give me double the money to dig this up. That's what or I would have said. I would have negotiated. Or he goes, step back. I just farted. <laughs> And the, the the airways down there are not. There's no air. So that's silent but deadly, you know. Yeah. Oh no. Okay. Um, Carter had in fact discovered something huge. In fact, after thirty thousand years, he had discovered Tutankhamun's tomb. Tutankhamun. Thank you. Tutankhamun, aka mm-hmm. King Tut, aka yeah. King Tut. Apparently, because if you shorten Tutankhamun, it should be King Tut. But everyone calls him King Tut. So King Tootie t- Titties. Toot. Toots and Tits. And <laughs> that's the name of my memoir. Oh my God. Oh my God. Absolutely. Toots and Tits. Hell yeah. 
So within the tomb, there were hieroglyphics warning those who had entered. Uh, There's a curse that was found in a similar tomb that's read, Death shall come on swift wings to he who disturbs the peace of a king. Now, love that. Just from that, it's like, obviously, there's not a whole transcription of everything that was written in that tomb. But um, just from that, I think I would be like, immediately, no, someone else can do this. (laughs) But obviously, they were really excited. This is one of the biggest finds in history. So they started to excavate. So who wants to hear some fucked up shit that's going to happen to these people after they were in the tomb? Me, me, me. Amazing. Okay. Just a few months after the discovery of the tomb, Lord Carnarvon was shaving and cut a mosquito bite that was on his face, which actually caused him to bleed, obviously, which then led to a blood infection. So the newspapers went wild and were like, holy crap, he's one of the first victims of the mummy curse or the curse of the pharaoh. (laughs) And sure enough, he died from that. What? So, yep, he died from the blood infection. Wait, did he have like malaria or something, or was the the razor was dirty? Or I mean, well, it's, it's you 1920s. could go to the logical explanations explanations yeah. like you're doing, but I'm gonna choose <laughs> to believe it was the mummy curse, baby. The curse I of the just... pharaohs, King Tut's curse. I told Marissa I was. I've been rewatching the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Yes. <laughs> fabulous show but i just watched the episode where they bring the mummy to um oh i forgot about that tipton yeah and esteban is like the curse of the mummy just keeps screaming like that and that's funny yeah that's what i'm thinking i literally just watched it last night so that's really weird that you're talking about that is so weird um i should have watched it in preparation honestly (laughs) because it sounds like he knew more about it back then than i did i i think i probably saw that and thought none of it was real but uh, people definitely believe in this curse i did my research what are you doing (sighs) watching other (laughs) informational videos on it instead of an actual you know whoops um okay (laughs) There was another guy called Sir Bruce Ingram, and he was a fellow friend of Carter's and was actually gifted a mummified hand, kind of like a paperweight sort of thing, of the hand of someone in the tomb. Uh, on the wrist of this hand was a bracelet with an inscription in ancient Egyptian that read, quote, Cursed be he who moves my body. To him shall come fire, water, and pestilence. If you read that to me... There's no way I would keep that gift. That seems like yeah. not a gift, moreover than like an I hate you kind of thing. Like here or like is a, a curse like forever. a um like a, a hinge bio. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You should absolutely change your your hinge bio to that. <laughs> There's some luck, you know. People who get it get it and people who don't aren't worthy. Listen, say I won't cuz I won't. <laughs> You're right, I won't. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. So funny enough, after having that gift, Ingram's house sure did burn down. And then as they were rebuilding his house, it was ruined by a flood. So the fire and the water definitely came upon him. Wow. And obviously, shortly thereafter, uh, Ingram decided to get rid of that cursed paperweight because who wouldn't at that point? If it's reading off that you'll have fire and water because you moved my hand. Yeah. And then fire and water happens. I'm getting rid of it. I will. But I thought to myself, how do you get rid of something that's cursed like that? Like, in my mind, 
if you throw that away, it's even worse luck, you know, or like even worse things right. should happen to you. So I don't know. It's like insidious where like they keep moving houses thinking that's going to fix anything. I'm like, these are demons. Classic. They don't follow the laws of physics. No, yeah. they know exactly where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Okay. Uh, yeah. In 1923, Egyptian prince Ali Kemal Gami Bey visited the tomb just once just to check it out. He heard there was something mm-hmm. going on. He was like, let me check it out. And within the year, he was murdered by his wife, shot and killed. What? And I don't know the full story here. I don't know if it's like Chicago, you know, the women, the, you know, yeah. murderous row Did type vibe. Listen to jazz and like, I have no sing. clue. <laughs> But for two I'm, hours, and and you know, there's no solid evidence. But in my eyes, that's definitely a straight correlation to visiting the tomb. So the curse no of the mummy. We just play that little bit snippet in between every <laughs> death bit. and every like fucked up thing that happened to people. <laughs> that would be fun, Grace. Or you could just say it every time. Yeah, Surly Stack was the governor of Sudham and also violently was shot. And was also violently shot while driving within a year of visiting the tomb. So another wow. shot and killed. Uh, Lord Karnak. And do you want to say your your the curse of the mummy? The curse of the mummy. Yes, there thank you. you. Lord <laughs> Carnarvon's half brother, Aud- Aubrey Hep. Oh, fuck, there's so many names in here. Okay, Audrey, Lord- Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. So, oh gosh, okay. Lord Carnarvon's half-brother, Aubrey Herbert, suddenly went blind and also died of blood poisoning just six months after his brother. And legend has it, soon after he entered the tomb, he screamed, something awful is going to happen to my family, as if he had this, like, overwhelming (sighs) sense of dread. Like, he entered the tomb and then said it. Wow. As if he got, like, a flash forward of everything that was going to happen. And then, of course, his brother died. Six months later, he went blind and then died as well the curse of the mummy thank you okay in 1924 sir archibald douglas reed the man who x-rayed king tut's body died of a mysterious illness oh the curse of the mummy thank you obviously a lot of these are like shorter stories obviously they're not documenting every single thing that this little person did but all of these deaths to have happened in that yeah. time frame is weird. So that's why I'm going over these because I think they're interesting. Yeah. Okay. Shortly after this, Archibald's friend, Hugh Evelyn White, who was an archaeologist on the job, actually committed suicide with a note that read, I have succumbed to the curse. And although his friend and many others working on the job had literally just died, I, I'm like, I don't know what if I believe this one is the curse of the mummy because like <laughs> that is probably just – an overwhelming sense of fear and dread and depression from all of your friends and coworkers dying on or shortly after the job, you know? So I'm like, yeah. I don't know. And, and, and they stated that some think his death was not the curse more so than the depression he had developed, which led to his death. But I don't know. I don't know. This one, I don't want to ever like speculate suicide and stuff like that. Right. So, right. Right. Know? Right. But so the interesting curse of the to know. <laughs> Question. <laughs> love it love it we keep it going we keep it going yes so in 1925 as far as they know and no one related to discovering or visiting the tomb had anything weird going on or died so they thought they saw the end of it they were like okay awesome you know three years later it's over that's it king tut has moved on in his afterlife um dope then uh 1926 rolled around and <laughs> ruined their hope kind of similar to 2021 with uh 
after our year of hell in 2020. So. Oh, fuck. George Benedite of the Louvre, or the Louvre Museum. The Louvre. The Louvre. Uh, he actually had visited the tomb that year, as well as a man called Aaron Ember, who was an Egyptologist. Mm-hmm. And they actually both died within that year. So, oh my God. What yeah. the fuck? Also, within it's like the it's curse always of like the within, mummy, man. Yeah. The curse of the fucking mummy. It's always within a year, <laughs> which is sad because they had just seen this cool thing and they're like, wow, this is awesome. And then, like, within that year, they're dead. So terrifying. I don't understand. Tell me how, like, like, you know, there are two types of people, right? There are people who hear about that and they're like, nope, don't want anything to do with it. Why is it? It's like nothing is worth that. Like exposing yourself potentially to this, the the curse of the mummy, right? Well, I but mean. But then there, the other people are like, yeah, I don't believe in all that shit. And then they die. All It happens in every movie ever. Yeah. We should have done a, we should have done a twofer on this one because I, he, they, a lot of people think he was murdered, King Tut. Shut the fuck up. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had no clue. He well, got he a was wonderful like 14, he was burial like 14. ceremony. Oh, I also had no clue about that either. Holy fuck. Yeah, okay. he was like 14 and super inbred. So he had like all these deformities and like malaria. So there are some people who think he has natural causes. There are some people who think, oh, there's like a cannonball size hole in his chest. So like oh people are wondering God. if that's like a, if that's like a normal thing that happens oh. with decay or if that's like, yeah. Okay. Damn. Well, he was okay. also like an ugly motherfucker. You ever seen these no. pictures? No, I've the just seen his little like, like basket or tomb. I guess. Yeah, they they do these like reconstructive. Hate um, that. Yeah, I'll send one to you. Hold on. Oh yeah, thank nightmare you. fuel. Oof. Okay. After Howard Carter's initial dig to find the tomb and excavation between 1924 and 1928, a new guy took over named A.C. Mace to excavate more, I guess, and like dig more. A.C. Mace. Well, in 1928, he actually collapsed on the job and died just a few days later with suspected arsenic poisoning. And he died in the same hospital as Lord Carnarvon. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. And just a just a year the curse of the mummy just a year later <laughs> in 1929 richard bethel who was howard carter's assistant or secretary and was there for the main opening of the tomb actually died I've heard by his being, name he he Sorry. died by being smothered in his in his bed in his sleep wait by somebody yeah who killed him the mummy <gasps> ghost sleep wait, paralysis what? wait for real like no one no like, they his- don't know isn't that crazy so unfortunately, another uh, trigger warning for suicide, Bethel's father yep. then jumped off a building to his death with an eerie note left behind, and his apartment was actually filled to the brim with artifacts of the tomb. So a lot yeah. of people are, are saying, like, he was just overwhelmed with his son's death, but then also scared of the curse himself, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Wow. Shortly after uh, that incident, Carnarvon's other half-brother died from malaria. I'm not sure if that one mm. actually that half brother had been to the tomb or not, but the other one had. So I don't know. Just maybe it's like maybe it's like a contact thing or like a respiratory droplet thing. Yeah, could be. <laughs> like you could spread be. the curse. COVID How is before the curse COVID. spread? Yeah, I don't know. Because in which case, yeah. I need to be vaccinated for any and all curses. <laughs> right, and and so that was kind of like the end of all the the mysterious deaths and weird things to happen in relation to the tomb and i'm sure i missed a few or like some weird situations but that was just six years and something like 20 people 
connected to that tomb had passed in these bizarre circumstances. And so while some believe that this was the doing of the curse of the pharaohs or the mummy's curse or King Tut's curse, so many different names for this, um, others believe modern day science has an explanation. And I love a good Uh mystery. You know that. But I do tend to err on the side of science because science is facts and I'll, you know. That's facts, bro. That's facts. Science, that's facts. facts. But I still love to talk about these mysteries because it's fun to talk about. It's fun to hear, you know, all the different stuff. But back to the science of it all. So supposedly an American Egyptologist died in 1995. And American politicians were like, all right, these Egyptologists keep – you know, they keep dying, they keep, you know, getting sick, whatever. Let's investigate if there's any hazardous materials that these archaeologists and Egyptologists oh. may be encountering when opening the doors or the caskets or the Makes tombs. way more sense. That are 30,000 years old, you know, right? So right. a future scientific study showed that mummies could carry several strains of mold and deadly bacteria, right. which yeah, that yeah. makes sense to me. Like you're very deep in an underground cave of sorts and – the process of mummification and everything else, it's just like germs, you know? Right. So that kind of makes like sense. death dust, that can't yeah. be good. <laughs> they were all exposed and then within a year died, which makes me think it was some sort of interesting weird bacterial disease that we yeah, didn't like know about Yeah, like some sort of spore then. or something like which that. Which would then also make sense for like uh, contact tracing and like people who come in contact with certain people on the job and all that good stuff. Um, but there's one other yeah. theory that I want to talk about before I wrap it up here. Okay. So recently, aka in 2012, uh, a historian <laughs> released a book, and I don't know the exact name of the book, but when I do, I'll, I'll list it in the sources. And okay. he claims that six of the 20 or so deaths related to the tomb were actually murders by a man <gasps> named Alistair Crowley, who was also a Satanist. A, sa- a Satanist. Satanist. That's where I know that name. I know that name. Yes. Yeah. Eric, and when Eric heard this, he was like, you could do a whole episode on him. So I was like, okay, Oh my God, the fun. satanic panic. Right? Is that him? Hang on. Yeah, he didn't he have a cult? I don't know. I didn't read too much further into him, but I assume so. I, I know it, that. Yeah, I know that it is, name. It's a known name. He's definitely very famous for being a Satanist. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. after reading Crowley's diaries, essays, books, and other publications, it was very clear that he was obsessed with Jack the Ripper. You know. Oh. You know Jack the Ripper, 1800s serial killer. Mm -hmm. And so Crowley even called himself a neat little murderous nickname, which goes by the nickname of the Great Beast. What a good (laughs) nickname, Crowley. Oh, you're really really scaring them there. I like Jack the Ripper better, buddy. Anyways. Nailed it. Yeah. He supposedly believed in this religious philosophy called Thelma, which is drawn from Egyptian religion. So the historian says that Crowley likely found Carter's excavation of the private tomb to be very offensive and seeked revenge. And this theory to me is very interesting because a few of them did get murdered that I spoke about, you know, shot, smothered, murdered. So I'm like yeah obviously someone had some beef with these people or it just so happened out of the 20 six of them got murdered so he was upset that they undug uncovered this tomb that was supposed to be private and preserved for years to come it's the moving of the body a lot of etc a lot of people have problems with that and there's always some debate in like how do you respectfully handle artifacts Artifacts, yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no Um, i mean I wouldn't want a loved one of mine to be dug up from where they're buried. Right. Yeah. So I I mean, this is like thousands of years later. 
Yeah. Okay, what's your side um, note? Uh, Alistair Crowley has a sister named Grace Elizabeth. So. Hate that. Hate that. Well, yeah. Don't love it. Don't love don't it. Don't love it. Don't love it. I don't but love that. I don't love that. But uh, <laughs> either way, I don't know if any of this is the curse or science or murders, but I know damn well I will never be stepping foot in a tomb. So nope. that's nope, the end nope, of Marissa's nope. mystery. Wow. That was a fun one. Ugh, fun, right? I was like, can you yeah. do something that's like haunty, like haunted ghosts? Great. And Eric immediately suggested this. So I was like, okay, cool. Oh Not gosh. necessarily ghosts, but a curse. I like it. Show me the mummy. A curse. I like it. (laughs) Grace, this is a good episode. It was a fun one. Sorry for talking for 15 minutes. You know what? Don't apologize. And as a reminder, all of our sources are listed in our description. If you'd like to go check out our sources or do your own research, that's always welcome. Um, We encourage. We encourage you to do your own research. Um, and it's and fun to please, learn about these things well not fun right. but like you know interesting if you're ever like you don't know what to watch definitely just go to one of our sources and find like one of the documentaries or youtube videos that we have and and watch that while you're eating your dinner <laughs> or on a friday night yeah or just listen to our podcast that too because we have 23 episodes now so that's pretty exciting Hell and yeah. um, marissa do you want to tell them where they can find us Yes, you can find us on Instagram at where murder meets mystery or email us at where murder meets mystery at gmail.com. And that's facts. And that's facts. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next week for episode 24. Love you so much. Bye. Bye.